0: All right, we are live uh, with the Reflection Artist Live podcast. Uh, this is number seven for December 9th, Wednesday, December 9th, right before the holidays, uh, or I should say in the, in the meat of the holidays after Thanksgiving before Christmas. Uh, special guest, uh, Jason the Sandman Kilmer. Uh, for those of you who don't know Jason, he's been in the industry for over 20 years now, He has a very, very impressive resume in regards to one, his talent, but second, you know, the events and the things that he's been part of in regards to projects. And there's just so many things I go on and on, but of course, I'll let him speak on that. But just to let everybody know who Jason is and and give a little bit more background. Um, Jason. Thank you, and Thank you. let us know how, how it all and where it all started. What inspired you to
1: get into this yeah. wonderful world of, uh, of detailing? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've always been a car person, car guy. That um, started at the age of four and three years old that I can vividly remember. I would go to the st- grocery store with my dad when magazines and publications were still the big deal. You know, you grab a magazine, a hot rod magazine, a street rider, whatever, trucks, mountain bikes, whatever. Um, And I would, when I got older, when my folks would go shopping, I would go over the magazine aisle for like an hour and read cover to cover of every magazine. So I was always a mechanical person. I still am. I'm a tinkerer. Um, I'm not very good at it, but it's it's one of my hobbies. So growing up, always going to car shows, drag racing, NASCAR, if it had big tires and a big motor, I was into it. Um, and so elementary junior high, I got into mountain bikes and BMXs and things like that. And I thought maybe I'm going to be a fabricator and build mountain bikes. Well, so did you, did you, did you
0: have interest in taking them apart and putting them back together or actually just riding them? And that's,
1: that's where my limitations kind of didn't allow me to do that with my cerebral palsy, my fine motor skills. I don't have any on my right side. So picking up a wrench or bolts or something like that is very very difficult for me so I have it up here but the physical limitations really have limit me to being very mechanical um, I understand it I know how to do it but the physical parts of it is a struggle for me and that's what people that, you know, people see me moving a buffer or sandpaper and they're like, holy smokes, this guy can do everything when it comes to the simple tasks of life, opening up a pop can grabbing a, a utensil, I have to grab it in my left hand and put it in my right hand to use it. And my fine motor skills, like I said, I don't have them. So I don't have the finger movements, the thumb movement. Um, when I drive. I drive with my left foot on the gas pedal because I don't have that movement. So it's the basic, simple things that you think or you don't even think about. I have to think about and negotiate that. So it it makes it's made life interesting, Uh, difficult. Yes, but I've been able to negotiate and figure it out to some degree. So with,
0: with, with that aspect of everything and, and you, you know, getting intrigued by, like you said, the BMX and
1: the mountain biking, where did yeah. you
0: go from there with
1: that? Um, not much because I it's hard to ride a bike Yeah, because <laughs> I have no balance on my right side. So I'd fall over on my right side. So I, when I turn, I always make left turns.
0: <laughs> you like know? NASCAR, right?
1: Yeah, like NASCAR. <laughs> so, you know, it's just the life of Jason Kilmer is interesting because I have to negotiate everything I do. I have to mentally think about it. Um, so, you know, junior high, high school, you know, I took auto body uh, and things like that. And, and I wasn't really a good student. Not that I, I was a bad kid, but I also have a learning disability too. So high school wasn't my thing i was good in sports but i wasn't good enough to be on the teams so i really had to think okay you know mentally what am i gonna do i, I don't really fit into the high school role i like cars so then i jumped into going to uh, clover park Te- technical college where we did uh auto body and paint program my senior year in high school so i did running start um so that's where the the start of my career was I would detail my own personal truck. Before then, from seventeen to you know 18, 19. and then I went to Clover Park at Technical College where I did auto body and paint program. I think it was a uh, a ten month program. Plus, I didn't have to do my senior project and take a bunch of dumb classes in high school. So, uh, you know, I thought I thought outside the uh, outside the scope of what the typical senior in high school does was you know, being and having my of policy, I had to think way more differently than the the typical kid because people didn't give me a chance or very few people did. So I had to be a lot smarter and think ahead to get to get to the same level where everyone else was. So, yeah, it just, you know, Nowadays, you know, you're lucky if kids get up and, and even go to school or get on Zoom to do their schooling when in the present day and and I was thinking way ahead of that at, at you know a very young age because I had to. I didn't have yeah. a
0: choice. A lot of people don't know how to embrace a, a challenge and and figure out how to overcome it. Instead, they just look at it as oh, eh, I just won't do it.
1: No, I mean, their challenge is, you know, if their phone doesn't work or their Amazon package doesn't show up, you know, exactly at the moment, they don't know what to do with themselves. So, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other ball of wax, right?
0: Yeah, it is. So tell me what, what detailing looked like to you when you, you know, at that age, when you were detailing your own vehicle, I mean, what, what, what process and what things were you doing then that, you know, you look back on, you're like, oh, wow, <laughs> things have changed.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, there's a picture of me at the age of four using, I'm pretty sure it was turtle wax, the hard shell wax, you know, at the age of four. Um, uh, man, you know, back when I started, it was Meguiar's Diamond Cut. Diamond Cut 85 had just come out. You know, that was the the top tier compound. Before that, it was Meguiar's one, two, three, and four, which is, you know, it uh, not you know diminishing a brace of that's very thick and our finishes let's face it were not very good back then it was all rotary port cable didn't come out to like my mid-20s so, you know it was large pads large sanding blocks i mean it just it it, it wasn't good but back then you didn't know any better that's all we
0: had yeah had to work with what, what what was offered in the market and, and understand it and just yeah. use it to your full potential
1: that, that's all you could do you really had to understand it and work hard as opposed to now it's it's much much easier with tools and products and liquids and all that it's 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 a, and microfibers weren't even even a thing it was we used old t-shirts yeah t-shirts, t-shirts and terry cloth <laughs> yeah i mean it was terry cloth first and then oh god t-shirts came around you know a recycled t-shirt you go buy you buy your baggie of t-shirts and that was the softest thing that we had to apply whatever we needed to apply. So vastly different now. I mean, look back at it, you know, over 20 years now and it was, it's completely different.
0: So what got you to dive into the more professional side of doing this for a
1: living? You know, it's, uh, I saw the cover of rod and custom in one month. It was Tim, the two man Taylor's 46 Ford convertible, the burgundy one they built on the show. And The way the photography was set up, it was super shiny and glossy and I'm like, I want to learn how to do that. Well, I was at technical college that time and a guy by the name of Alan was taking the class and he had started a detail shop. And again, thinking outside the realm of what normal people think, I'm like, I can sand because it takes one hand. A good hand, I can do that, my strong hand, Um, you know. So I learned how to color sand, wet sand, you know, all that good stuff. But when it came to buffing, that was a different, because the now the buffer rotates this way towards my bad hand. So I'm like, okay, well, we got to figure this out. So a lot of burnt panels oh. um, in my younger days and a lot of burnt panels f- f- my first eight years, because now... It not only it rotates towards my bad side, my I have no depth reception in my left eye, mm. so now I got to figure that out.
0: <laughs> so now you're you're learning the, the the paint in a completely different approach than your common person by by far.
1: Yes, I mean, yes, yes. I mean, you, so you became
0: that, a true paint whisperer to say.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and. That's how I teach. That's how I do life. I have to do life that way. I think I don't think of what I don't have, because that's a waste of my time, I think of what I do have. And I try to figure out and hone in on my skills that I do have to become whoever I am now. So it's, I teach very simplistic, because I don't have all the uses. So. I listen, I don't wear earphones when I buff. I listen at the harmonics of the machine and I'm I can feel a lot through my fingertips. So I've I've adapted with my fingertips and my ears, and I just kind of let the machine, the whine of the machine and the vibrations of my through my fingertips to my arms figure out what I need to do.
0: Same idea as like somebody who has, you know, no vision in their yeah. their sense of smell yeah. and taste yeah. and feel is much greater yeah. because they, the, the senses have redirected and become more dominant in other areas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So also I get down close my face to the panel and if I feel the heat radiate, you know, I move a little bit quicker. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right when it starts to get about a hundred degrees, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh uh, yeah, we better move along, you know? <laughs> So, you know, as you as you started sanding and and through the years of doing that and then the process of of detail, let's go back to that. You know, you've you've really set the stage for a lot of, you know, projects and events that you've been able to win awards for in your in your earlier years, even because of your skill set of
1: detailing in itself. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't really have a skill set back then. I just had a pure passion and that drove whatever my skill set wasn't. I had a passion and I, and I came off as a nice guy. Um, you know, I've always tried to be super humble and that got me very, very far. Even though I would burn and make mistakes and do all this, um, I think people took notice of that. And there were some people that really gave me a chance. There are some people that didn't give me a chance, but, you know, again, I didn't focus on it and I kept on just being a nice guy and coming back and not going away. And they're like, we got to we gotta get this kid to do something. So um, I started going to a couple of custom shops. And my big break was I was at one particular car show and uh, a local collector said, hey, I, I need some help on my car. And it was a simple paste wax. He just wanted me to apply, help him apply paste wax to his black 39 Ford. And uh, we did that, and six months later, he called me up and said, "Hey, I got some work. Uh, I think I want you to do." I said, "Okay." You know, I was 22, 23 at the time, and he is one of the the Washington State's probably most prolific collector. Um, his collection's been featured on um, Dennis's Gages Show, uh, My Classic Car. Um, And we did that collection and curated the collection at 23 and 24, you know, and that was probably at the time a $10 million collection of probably some of the rarest and nicest Fords in the world. Um, From there, a lot of people knew in the local area that I was detailing for this gentleman that was very particular. And I started working for his painter, uh, John Byers. And that's really when my career took off uh as far as that's concerned and we started doing riddler stuff and pebble beach wins, and and we did the first uh first riddler and i think 2008 maybe it was 2006 i don't remember um for rambo um and we spent a whole year pretty much detailing that car out after it was painted and i actually wow. did i didn't sand any of the car my friend did and I would just buff each part and each piece and I probably spent I spent a whole year every piece every part the transmission tunnel um the it had a, a Ferrari 360 motor and I made sanding blocks and cut out buffing pads um before I even knew who Kevin Brown was <laughs> you know we were making our own pads and our own tools wow. before I even knew it was a thing you know, I would, I would blow out my pads not knowing what I'm doing, but I thought, well, we're just blowing our pads, control our residue, but we didn't call it controlled residue. No. We just did it because that's what we knew, what I thought. I never quantified what I was doing. Until, your, your thought you
0: process know. was so far ahead of the game that it yeah, just seemed until, natural to you.
1: Yeah, until eight years down the road, I meet Kevin Brown and Jason Rose, and they're like, yeah, we've heard of you, kind of, because you haven't been online, but everybody kind of knows of you as the Phantom, you know, uh, you know, someone nicknamed me, uh, you know, Christopher Brown named me the Phantom Polisher, you know, cause I was here, there, everywhere. I didn't post online, but everyone kind of knew who I was and kind of didn't know who I was. And Todd Hill knew who I was cause he'd go to Cavallino, and he saw some of the Ferraris we did I and mean, we did the Ferrari Testarossa prototype you know, in Pebble Beach, you know, and I've done the prototype Ferrari GTO. So, you know, everybody kind of figured out kind of who this phantom was. And then, you know, through Kevin Brown and Jason Rose, when Jason was at, you know, McGuire's and we did the NXT, then I met Larry Casilla, you know, uh, that was 2013, I think. I mean, at that time we had done, I think three or four, uh, Rid their cars, you know. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's crazy to think about it. You know, um, what I've been able, what I've been a part of, and what I've been able to accomplish. But that's all because of hard work and just a drive and a passion, and never yeah. and never right. giving up.
0: No, no, that's that's huge, and that's well said. Like you said, the drive and the passion is what have developed your craft.
1: Yeah, it, it's and not it's not necessarily my skill set because let's look at it from From a physical standpoint, I'm not the most physically capable by far. There are guys in the body shop industry that are far better than me on a physical level. They just flat out are better. But there's something to be said about passion and drive where you just don't give up. And that can't be taught. You either have it or you don't. The skill set can be taught, and I'm a prime example of it. Well, having
0: the full package, too. I mean, that's that's the thing is somebody could have the most killer skill set, but they may not be a humble person. They may not have passion. You know, there there may there there be other things missing parts to say as to where you're very well-rounded in that aspect. And that's what makes you you.
1: Yeah. You know, I I grew up idolizing Michael Jordan. And even though I didn't have a skill set and you look at Michael Jordan's career, he didn't really have the skill set either. I mean, he did, but he didn't, and he just grew into it, and he was flat out, he wanted it more, and he wanted it more than anyone else on the court. I mean, you you talk to his teammates, you know, you watch The Last Dance, his teammates hated him because he pushed, and he pushed, and he pushed, and he pushed, and he pushed them to be better than than they thought they could be, and when I teach, that's what I do is I push someone. I push them to the brink of disaster, you know, I want to know what you have and what you don't have. You might not even know what you have or don't have, but I do. So I push you until you can't do it no more. And, the, and then we, we see where you're at. And then we work from there. That brings out a whole nother animal in a lot of people too that it, they don't even know that they had. It does. I mean, I make people, you know, sand with 600 on the edge and then close their eyes and then buff the edge you're like what are you doing i'm like i'm teaching you that you have more skills than you even think than you even know you have your body adapts oh yeah and you have to take that inner adapt adapting and see where you're at some people have it some people don't
0: and with with your training now you know you've, you've inspired a lot of people you've intrigued a lot of people you know the level of training that you bring to the table is very unique um, you know, at what point in time do, did you really dive into that part of where you are with everything now, with being a trainer for the levels that you
1: offer? Well, you know, I, I started. You know, during all these Riddler stuff, I, I would I would go to Grio's Garage and I started teaching there, teaching classes. I was terrible at it, but somewhere in the lines, I really enjoyed it and I was good at it. I think to a certain level, and. I just was me. So I I think people gravitate towards that to some degree. And we just start to have fun with it. So that's where I really learned how to learn how to teach. I'm not very well spoken. Um, Like I said, I'm not the most talented, but there's something in me. There's some package that that I'm able to really hone in and, and really get people's attention. And when you teach, you have to understand where you lose people. You you have a very short amount of time to grab people's attention, especially a newbie. You know, yeah. in an older gentleman that just wants to do his car on the weekend, you only have three to five minutes of attention span. So you have to do the whole process within three to five minutes, and then you can go into more elaborate things if someone's interested. But the majority of people, let's face it, they don't do what we do. They, they just want to get in and get out and especially nowadays you know we yeah. call it, we call it the Amazon effect they want it now they want you know siO2 on it and they want it out the door you know yeah and with this
0: pandemic I mean I see it even in my my, my local market. Oh, everybody's jumping on to because they see how some have sustained and how, how successful some have been with their detailed businesses, whether it be mobile or fixed location. So they're like, oh, I can do that. I could go to the store and buy these supplies and start yeah. doing my neighbors and my families. And then they think it's just, oh, it's all so straightforward. Yeah. And they don't realize the science and the in-depth knowledge that comes with the years of issues, too, that
1: have led to success. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I I get that all the time. I mean, you want to become one with the paint. You know, there's a a funny story real quick. I have to say it because it's too funny. Um, Jeff McGovern in California, very, very good detailer, good friend of mine. He calls me up and he says, Jason, I'm sanding. It was a a charger, a Hellcat. He took off the stripes and it's raised right there, right, where the, the stripe meets the edge. And I said, okay, I said, get, get out some 1500, some 2000, grab a block. And I want you to put your phone right by the block and put it on speaker. He says, why? I said, just do it. He goes, okay. And I, I said, okay, now be quiet. And I just want you to sand. He goes, okay. He didn't get it, but I did. I knew exactly what I was doing. Uh, And I heard the pitch of the sandpaper. No joke. And I'm like, okay, did you measure the paint before? Yeah, he measured it. Okay, I said, don't tell me. Put the gauge back on Their gauges are, you know, are somewhat close, not really, but they're, they give you an idea. And I said, just by the sand stroke and the sound of the pitch of the block and the sandpaper, you remove between two and three microns. He's like, what? I'm like, just put the gauge on and he goes, I removed about 2.5 you're directly right on either side he goes how did you know that i said i knew the paint and i knew your pressure you were applying by the pitch of the sandpaper that's the level that you want to be at but very few people hone in on their skills enough to allow them to be that good
0: yeah and there's i mean the crazy thing is there's there's, I would say, you probably know more than I do, but you know a couple handfuls of people that we're aware of that, that put themselves out there that the internet or social media, whatever it is, go to shows. Then there's God knows how many that we don't even know behind closed doors that are in their, their bubble, to say, of their workspace that are at that level, but nobody will ever know because there, they don't- There's have- a lot, there's a yeah. lot.
1: I mean, you look at the custom car world and a guy in his garage, a machinist that might work at Boeing, is a super intelligent. He has a 3d printer. He's got CAD and he's building this crazy elaborate supercar in his one car garage that nobody knows about. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot, look on Instagram. You're like, wow, where'd that guy come from? That looks good, you know? Um, You know, so there's a lot of talent out there and, you know, there's a lot of guys that think they might have a lot of talent, but in person, you meet them and you're like, "Your pictures don't do your work justice, meaning you're not as good as you thought you were, you know, so there's that too, and it's unfortunate, but you know it is that's that's life in general,
0: yeah no i I get a dose of that myself every time I do a PPF job since I'm on my year one of it." <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, right. oh my god oh man oh, yeah man. right right this isn't the same as detailing by any means but yeah, it's uh, uh, still- <laughs> yeah. that was good i'm terrible <laughs> oh. uh, talk about a uh uh, uh ego check right <laughs> yeah an ego buster yeah yeah, yeah. darn um so with you know with with all your involvement in in, in so many different areas um, talk to us about the the kxk the the sanding blocks and how all yeah. that got started
1: yeah well yeah, it goes back to you know and I still make sanding blocks on my house with my harbor freight you know belt sander and my $200 craftsman bandsaw Hey, those um, things work yeah you, you know and and we started making blocks you know I, I uh, was at the store at the the hobby store right before i got married my wife was shopping for our wedding stuff and and i saw these products and i'm like well we've always used acrylic and you know i saw this foam stuff and uh, long story short we started making them and i sent them out to i knew the body shop guys would like it but i wanted to know if the detailers were going to like it so i i made two sets i sent the first set out to chris larson which is, you know, concourse wet sanding guy like myself out in Connecticut. And then I sent the other set to uh, Scott Nichols out in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I knew that those guys were very, they're high end. And, and I knew if they would like them, uh, we, we had a shot. So yeah. I think I set, uh, sent to John Morgan. If you know who John Morgan is, very intelligent human being, he's in uh, Ohio. Uh, class act guy and a great detailer and I sent a set out to um, Greg Golith in Jersey and those were the first sets we sent out and and I'm like give me your honest feedback you know this is just what I think and they're like I think you're on to something so we started making them and shortly after I met Andy Ward Uh, Andy's was based out of Florida is based out of Florida still and uh, we became friends and you know, I was kind of his mentor, and then I met my other partner, Crazy Noxy, uh, <laughs> Eric Nox, which is a nut job. And, uh, you know, we started KXK shortly after SEMA. Uh, in 2015, we were incorporated, I think, 2000, yeah, 2015, I believe. And uh, we started with the uh, PR1s, and then we launched the sanding blocks, uh, the RID sticks. Um and kind of the rest is history, so it's. Uh, I think we've uh, we've changed how detailers look at sanding, and I did Absolutely. that. I did that beforehand. I mean, because sanding wasn't cool. Sanding wasn't cool, and and detailers said that that sh- we shouldn't do that, and I, I obviously have a different take on that, um, within reason. You know, sand to improve, not remove. On OEM for sure. um, There's a time to sand and there's a time not to sand, and you know, so it's it's trying to because that's the ultimate paint correction is sanding, right? Minimizing that peel and then getting the scratches out from there, and then putting a you know a protection on top of it, whether it's a carnauba or you know or a ceramic or whatever, um, to give it that ultimate look and that can't be done by polishing or compounding alone so uh you know and to remove a scratch you know very methodically and, and think about it you know i think we've we've helped change the industry a little bit and, and give it you know some validity in sanding oh 100 agree and it's one of those things that
0: you definitely it's a skill set that has to be learned. You, you know, you could dive into it blindly, but you're gonna burn more than than anything, and you're gonna learn that way too. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I have this this thing I, I talk with my customers because we we don't offer a lot of sanding at the shop. We try to keep it as simple as possible. I mean, yeah. when we have to, it's me personally, um, and that way I know that if I screw it up, it's it's on my dime, right? And I, I get to explain to the customer. Yeah. Um, but it's it's what I call repair value. You know, the more material. You remove, the more opportunity you have to go back to that specific area and repair it under any terms, whether it be sanding or compounding. Yeah, and that's kind of what I pitch to our clients when it comes to, you know, doing paint correction and having those areas of concern, the scratches that are deeper than normal, mm-hmm. and tell them that we can improve it, but I wouldn't look forward to removing it due to repair yeah. value. And it and it yeah. works. And, and it, yeah, it's and that's realistic.
1: Why I- Yeah, that's why I say sand to improve and not remove, you know. And, you know, you look at me as a sandman 20 years in, I don't like sanding. I don't even like detailing. What I enjoy, you know, people are like, I can't believe you just said that. What I enjoy, (laughs) I enjoy the art. I enjoy the science. I enjoy the teaching. Because detailing another car, who cares? I can do it. I know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. What what, I, what I, I like doing is, you know, how can I do it faster? Can I do it more efficiently? Can I, can I make it look even better? As far as doing the whole car <laughs> by myself, uh, that's not me anymore. I enjoy everything but that. And people are like, I can't believe he just said that. He's a sandman. He doesn't even like sanding cars. It's a lot of work.
0: It is. It's it a is. lot of work
1: to do a car. I mean, even on a competitive level, you're talking about, you know, 200 hours of uh, of work, if not more. Um, we've done cars in a lot, much shorter time. You know, you throw it, you know, you do some DA sanding, you buff it out, you get it out the door, you know, on a wholesale level or something like that. It's a different level. But we're talking flat out show car stuff. That'll take a toll on you. and and that's if everything's going right and most times it doesn't go right because it's painted the last minute and you're on a time crunch so you ask anybody on a competition level you know my good friend Derek Bemis who helped chip foose out on Poster, uh he would call me up (laughs) on the phone and and go what what do I need to do differently this isn't working out or you know the paint's not responding the way I want it to give me your uh, your best advice because we're out of options right now. So, you know, there's a lot to be said about, you know, being in the trenches at the last minute. Um, those are the most enjoyable times, you know, when you're falling asleep under the car because you've just worked for, you know, 96 hours and four days with Charlie Hutton and he can run circles around you. Um, Charlie Hutton by far is the Michael Jordan of paint and body. He can literally work circles around me and make it look way better than me, um, you know. But I I like to work f- with people that are better than me. Um, it's a challenge. It's frustrating, but it's a challenge nonetheless. and the lesson. You work with someone that's a higher skill set than yourself. Be okay with it. Just learn from it. Yeah. You'll you'll be a better person and a better hopefully a detailer, or bodyman or painter. Helps you
0: personally raise the bar for yourself because it shows that there's there's still things to obtain
1: There's still next level to say i mean i i still like going out to the garage and tinkering with a panel you know how flat can we get this how far over the edge can we go without going over the edge Oh, we want over the edge you know there's a there's to i think to be great or be good you always have to be teachable you always have to be open to learning and i when i teach i teach with being open i've learned a lot from some of the guys i've taught which they have a different perspective and they're like well how about this or how about this you know and that's why i'm not really big on you know sure i have my certain products that i like it's personal choice but i think the ultimate detailer can pick up a bottle of whatever and use it and make it work it may not be your favorite you know, you may not like the scent. You may not like the work time. You may not like this, but if you're good at what you can, what you do and you understand it, you can use it and use it at a high level. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like a mechanic with a tool. It may not be the best tool in the arsenal, but it gets the job done at the level that needs to be done.
1: Yeah. A guy can go to Harbor Freight or go on the snap-on truck. I mean, a wrench is a wrench. It's, you know how to use it. So I, you know, and that's, that's what I try to teach is don't be so product central, just be, be open to and willing to use it and, and try to understand the formula or the liquid to its absolute potential. Um, you know, and that's really when the doors open up as far as yeah. your skill set. And that's when you really become on that next level. No, and that's you
0: know even personally with, with so many ins and liquid abrasives, it's just, it gets your mindset and your perspective so different because you, you're able to understand their full potential and understand what they're doing or not doing compared to the next one, but know where the importance of that product is and why the manufacturer made it. Yeah. And yeah. And, and a
1: lot of times let's face it, we tinker with a product and it changes, you know, a manufacturer might make it to do this, but tinkers, and guys that are really wacky like myself, they take it way outside what the manufacturer designed it and that's product development, right? That's where you come up with different liquids and you know down the road. So it's 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 all it's all about crazy guys like myself around the world that like to tinker with stuff and take it way outside what it was intended for.
0: Now, just for some of the people who are watching this as far as you know, talking about how in your early years, you know, you had to burn some panels, you had to burn some paint. You know, for those that are getting into sanding or trying it themselves, yeah. I mean, what would be your best approach to explain yourself to a customer mm-hmm. that yes, gave you the okay on being able to sand, mm-hmm. uh, and and how you would explain yourself when you when you burn through the paint and
1: w- what the best approach would be so they have a peace of mind with that. Yeah, um, it depends on an OEM level. I try to scare the customer away make it so unattainable to try to say (laughs) you don't want to do this i don't really want to do this these are the reasons why charge an astronomical price and if they're still there at the end of the day say okay we're going to burn some paint somewhere on this oem car if this is where the road you want to go down you know and that's another thing when paints when it's painted at the factory it's on it once it sees uv it's on its downhill slope already mm-hmm. think about that it's on its downhill slope so anything we do from polishing and compounding is degrading that paint so oh, now yeah. you sand it and you're like wow we're really we're making it really on its downhill slope um, and if they're willing and okay to do it With the price and the possibility, very good possibility of burning something or running out of material. Let's do it. But once you say all those things to a customer, they're like, "I don't want to do that." Good, that's what I thought you'd say. PPF it out the door, she goes, done deal. You know, it's just. I mean, I try to make it as cut and dry as possible. Like I said, I don't do cars now on a daily. you know but i mean when i do do cars custom cars are different if we burn through you know god forbid we, we take it in the booth repaint it no big deal um you know but you try not to burn you, you know you really don't no, want. No, to. i don't think no one's intention is no. to burn no. you but just it, it's par for the course it, it's 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 what it's what happens so yeah um, you know you just have to be okay with it try to figure out what happened. And sometimes it's out of your, uh, out, out of your, uh, what you can do. I mean, you can only do so much. Um, and if it's a bad paint job, Hey, you can try to save it, but let the customer know that these are the things that we could run into and, uh, let them make the call. I always let the customer make the final call. Always. It's, it's his car. It's their project. You know, let them make the final call and know that not everyone is gonna look at that paint like you're looking at it right there. No, no. They're looking at the whole package. Yeah. So well, if you miss a scratch on the rocker, is it the end of the world? No. And that's another conversation. That could be a whole nother oh, podcast.
0: Yeah, what um, we see versus what they see. Yeah, that's yeah, a whole different perspective because they're looking at the the big picture of the vehicle bumper to bumper. And we're yeah. over here getting so up close and personal that we start to identify and have a conscience for every defect that's
1: there. Yeah, we're, we're holding the light two inches away. I mean, me, come on, that's not—it's not even feasible. But we do it. Let's face it, you know. And it's just like you got, like Kenny Rogers used to say, you got to know one to hold them, and no one to fold them, and no one to walk away, and no one to run. If that car's not looking good, and you're like, uh, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. It's not worth it. If that customer and you pick up the phone and you're not getting a good vibe from the, from the customer, don't do it. Come up with a lame excuse. Tell them you have Corona. You know, I mean, I don't know, come up with something. Then he won't come by the shop. I mean, you know, you know, some people jive with better with other people. I mean, well, I, I get along with most everyone but I've had some people in my past I'm like I want nothing to do with you because I can already tell this is not going to go down the road we want it to
0: yeah I think from from a business perspective personally I've I've had that where customers you know were not a fit in regards to the level of services or was too in-depth for the price or the the Paint was too far gone, and I would just be honest with them. I'd tell them that they are—you're just not a candidate, or your vehicle is not a candidate yeah. for our
1: services. I apologize. Well,
0: we can't or do just anything
1: for you, or just personality. If it's a personality yeah, clash, it's not going to go good. It's not worth it. And yeah, okay. I've actually—I've told a customer that you and me don't drive. Yeah. So or they're this, unrealistic. This, or the, yeah, this is not going to go good. Yeah. And that's okay. Because I can sleep, you know, with my head on my pillow at night knowing that, you know, I didn't take the job on. I don't have that stress level. Sure, I've made mistakes. Sure, I've made people mad. I've had customers not want my services anymore, you know, whether I burned through or not burn through, or maybe I did something even remotely dumb, which I have because I've dealt with crazy customers more so than the average detailer. Because the higher up you go with the money, the crazier people get. Yes. When, when you work with a billionaire <laughs> or his caretaker's caretaker's caretaker, uh, it can get a little hairy. So I don't like dealing with uh, no. with that situation. There's eight different directions there. That's why. Yeah. They change <laughs> their mind at a moment's notice, you know.
0: So as far as, you know, with all your years of experience and and, and going through the evolution of products and and protection, you know, where do you stand in regards to what you personally, Jason Kilmer, what you like to put on a vehicle after you've gone through and, you know, let's let's not say um, concourse level, you know, show style, but just, you know, when you do a solid job for a good customer, you know, it could be a good profile customer and you sand and you buff and you get everything looking good. That last standing product, what's your personal preference, though, that you personally like out of all of what's out on the market between waxes, sealants, and coatings? I'm not really
1: a, a coating guy. Um, I understand the benefits. I know exactly what it does, I know exactly what it doesn't do. Um, you know, and if we're doing, they say, a full on show car, I don't what I'm concerned about is the solvents in the SiO2 products and the resin-based products are, most of the times they're stronger than what's applied on the car, meaning they'll actually attack it. And then that's when paint does weird things. Um, coating a daily driver, yes, that's completely doable. But what I like now is the evolution of the, 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 the spray waxes whatever spray wax you like. Um, it's quick, it's easy. I don't have to sweat bullets, right? Because yeah. you're in Florida, you apply a coating and you're like, oh boy, I got to get on this quick or it's going to flash on me, right? Yeah. I don't like that. I'm too old for that. <laughs> you know, I can do it. I understand it. But, and there's also something to be said about paste wax. There's something relaxing about putting a paste wax on. It's yeah. old school, but it's it's kind of soothing. So I mean, it depends on my mood. It depends what I grab. It I don't care. It's a protection. You know, you have to you have to explain to your customer what you're doing, but don't overanalyze it to customers. Customers yeah, they don't want to hear that. They they don't want... know, they don't care. Nope. But if something goes wrong and they see it that's when they care. So don't, don't oversell the product, sell you. And I can't strive that enough. Don't be a brand, be your own brand, your own person. Let's say a coding fails. Just fix it. Yeah. Fix it. A customer is going to appreciate you much more and take you more seriously. If you just fix it, if it, if it dive bombs, you know, and with the coating, you have to maintain it, right? Oh yeah. There's maintenance behind everything, right? There's maintenance behind everything, you know, but unfortunately there's this, you know, this thing where, you know, you, you apply this, whatever product it is and you don't have to maintain it when it's so far from the truth you have to maintain everything. It's not a smoke and it's not some, you know, smoke and mirrors. It has to be maintained. That's anything. Anything. You're not going to clean your house. Well, you might, but that's kind (laughs) of gross. You know, you have to do things, you know, and a car is the same way. Um, Products are the same way. Materials are the same way. So, I look at things as a, from a material standpoint, um, what they are, what they do and what these elements, you know, I'm in the Pacific Northwest, it rains a lot. So we deal with water spots. That's where we live. That's the unfortunate, you know, unfortunate part of it, you know, so that's just what you deal with. You know, if you're in Canada, you know, in the, where it snows a lot and they use a lot of salt, you have to deal with that. You know, yeah. where you're at in Florida, you have to deal with a lot of UVs. If you don't protect your vehicle down where you're at with a spray wax, a, a paste wax, a coating, your clear is going to deteriorate. Yeah. That's yeah. just, that's just what it does.
0: And it blows my mind when I get customers. Oh, I've never had to put anything on my vehicle. My last vehicle I had for 10 years, never put anything on and
1: it, it was fine. I was like, well... You're a lucky situation there. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, because let's face it, clear coats and paints are getting more trickier and they're not as strong as what people think they are. They're Mm. actually, they're actually pretty weak where now you have a bird bomb, right? With something about the water-based base coats and the clear coats, they'll etch so far down and deep Uh, that you're, you're done. Yeah, you're done. As between ten years ago, fifteen years ago, we didn't have that problem, and it's very simple. The paint companies and the EPA and the government say, "Okay, you have to do this. You can't do this." So, by nature, you're taking all the good stuff out of the paint, right? And it's not—it's not as strong. It's stronger, but it's not. It's still weak. It's like carbon fiber. Carbon fiber is a very strong material. But you hit it from a sign, it impacts and shatters. Yep. Paints a lot like that, where it's very strong. It's malleable. You can take a hammer to your paint and it still forms and folds, but yet a bird bomb will etch it like that. Yeah. So it's brittle. It's strong, but brittle. So, you know, it's just uh, that's the science of it.
0: Well, it's it's cool to hear, you know, from someone. Such as your background that, you know, you, the direction of what you explain with protection, you know, your favorite, or I shouldn't say your favorite, but you're, you're more suitable with the wax, but the coatings have their place on daily drivers because that's, that's the simplicity of it. Right. I mean, unfortunately we got, we've become into this bubble where everybody thinks coding, coding,
1: coding, and granted, yes, it's a moneymaker. It is. It's it's an absolute moneymaker. There are people in business because of, because of coatings. Yeah, but that's also the bad thing because people think, oh, it's the coating. Well, the coating does add a little bit of gloss. It it doesn't really add gloss, it adds depth more depth. Mm -hmm. The color's the same. You it just it it just changes it a little bit, but it's still everything that you've done prior to that. That's the fact the actual coating application within reason, if it goes good, is easy. But the customer thinks that they're paying for the coating, and that's it. When they're not, we know that it's all in the prep work. Yeah, correction,
0: prep. Now, with with all the sanding you've done and all the technical things that you've been able to experience with different manufacturers, where do you feel, what's your opinion on what the coatings do for building up the surface thickness on something that's been sanded or cut very thin, you know, the substrate clear, it's been thinned out so much. Do you feel that the coatings have the ability of, of building that thickness back up? Some
1: of them, not brand um, specific, but in general. Yeah. Um I don't know. I mean, I've heard yes, I've heard no. Um let let's look at it from this way. Okay. It's very simple. Okay, we apply the coating, right? Mm-hmm. We let it do its thing within time frame, and then we wipe it off. So how much of that are we wiping off? Right. There are some, there are some coatings out there where you put on and then you just let it set, let it do its thing. Theoretically, from a standpoint of chemicals, the idea would be put it on, it self-levels, and then you walk away. That would be the ultimate protection. Where it actually is physically there. I don't know. I'm sure down the road that's obtainable, um, but I don't think it is right now. I mean, that would be the ultimate form. Maybe the ultimate form would be put a SIO2 whatever in a paste and apply it by machine and then leave it alone. Because now you're working it actually into the substructure of the paint. And I'm sure there's
0: more probability of the the coating, the the solvent carriers attacking such a thin layer of existing paint that's there too, that could probably cause some major issues later down the road.
1: Yeah, because I've seen it too on resprays or even some OEMs, you know, you look at a, a, a car from, you know, Asia, they're very soft, very brittle. I've actually wiped a coating on and the solvents are so much stronger the day after, it's actually hazy. Oh, wow. Wow. And that's from an OEM level, but that's from my eyes. Most people don't see it at that level. So that's why I'm kind of, you know, you know, coatings are the ultimate protection, I think, in terms of everything. But there are some cases where a coating is not the best way to go. Not the best choice. Not the best choice. And that just comes from experience. That just becomes from being where I've been and You know, seeing what I've seen, you know, I've been fortunate enough to see this stuff on the background on the, on the, on the inception side of, you know, I've talked with chemists from the paints. I know the background of this stuff. You don't think a paint manufacturer knows coatings. They do. Could they actually mix it into their clears? They probably could. They have the technology to do that. Why they do that, I don't know. So there's a lot more technologies than what detailers thinks out there. Well, why doesn't doesn't GM do this? It's this. Yeah. Painting a car is the slowest process in the build. They're literally waiting for paint to dry. So if you think about that from a dollars and cents standpoint, no wonder they're kicking them out.
0: Yeah, and even with the the efficiency of sending them down, you know, the the line and having them sprayed by the computers and all that, it's still a slow process. And we're
1: we're seeing more deep paint defects in in modern day paints.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, the the vehicles are being released with a significant amount of orange peel. I mean, there's so much to what they feel that as long as the paint's on there and it's shiny.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And orange orange peels there is designed there for many, many different reasons that a lot of people don't know about. Um, They could care less about shiny paint, because let's face it, from a standpoint of polishing your paint, like I just said earlier, uh, it's on its downhill slope once it sees the UV. So anything we do is basically shortening the lifespan of the paint at a microscopic level that we can't even see, but you know, but I'm still the sandman, so I, I don't like peel. So there's that aspect of it, too. Yeah.
0: So with, with with everything, as far as you're, you're still continuing with trainings during this year with uh, yeah. COVID?
1: Yeah, yeah. In fact, I'm leaving on Friday to go help a friend out in North Carolina. We're going to sand try to sand a Mustang down a 97. But, yeah, we did trainings. Uh, we have a couple trainings coming up Uh Teamed up with my good friend, David Patterson. And we did the Ring Brothers back in August. And dude, that was that was a training of all trainings. That was fun. And we're gonna plan on doing that again in August. Um, and the Ring Brothers are some of the best car builders in the world. And they're some of the nicest people you're gonna ever meet. So they're excited, we're excited. Um, and we're gonna be, we're, I was just talking to them last night. We're gonna fi- try to figure out our schedule and uh you know and and do some cool things but it's it's been difficult with that because of everything that's going on in the world so it's not as it's not as easy as it used to be for sure
0: so if somebody's interested in in any of the trainings or your specific like maybe a one-on-one how would they get a hold of you for
1: that just on instagram or or facebook and just message me i'm still more than willing to do one-on-ones in fact that's what i enjoy I think the, the person gets the most out of it. Um, you know, but you know, that, that comes with a, a greater cost. Um, you know, but if someone's willing to go down that rabbit hole, I mean, I think that's the best form of training It's definitely a one-on-one where you yeah. can really hone in on. Some skills. And you do group trainings as well. Cause I Oh know yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 With many different people. I mean, we've done with Rennie and we've done with, uh, jeremy stevens and we've done with kevin brown before and so yeah i've been all over the map i've worked with a lot uh many i think i've worked with just about everybody uh you know and really to have when we went out and did rennie it was a real honor because rennie doesn't ask people that's not you know rennie is you know his training and and for him to email me and for diane to say hey we we really want you to come out meant a lot to me uh you know because Rennie is Rennie you know and he doesn't need anybody else you know Kevin Brown is Kevin Brown he doesn't need anybody else you know um Jeremy Stevens is awesome dude and he doesn't need anybody else so to be part of these different segments is a real honor and 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 I hold it to highest regards that you know I want to respect what they do and you know give a little bit of kilmer flair to it at the same time so yeah i've been very blessed to work with many different people and many different brands but the way to do it i think is non-threatening and, and yeah. i think that's part of my six my success was i'm not gonna throw you know slam it down your throat the kilmer way i don't if it works for you it works for you if it doesn't it doesn't and and Either way, it doesn't matter. It, it, it's all about a personal choice.
0: And um, as far as, you know, anybody and everybody who's out there listening, is there anything as we're coming to an end for the, the podcast and keeping it within a time frame that you would want to put out there or say that
1: on your yeah. behalf? Strive for not necessarily perfection, but be passionate and always be a student of whatever you're doing try to learn something new every day and be open to new ideas. It might not work out well, the idea, but you may learn something down the road that, hey, I took a little piece from here and a little piece from him and I I put my own spin on it and it works. So you may not polish like me and that's fine, but Maybe take something away from me or take something away from you or Rennie or Kevin Brown or Larry Casilla or Matt Mormon and make it your own. You know, you are you, your own person. You, you see things differently. You react differently. You do things differently physically. You, t- you understand things at a different level than anybody else. You're your own individual. So do it. Don't necessarily try to clone somebody or clone that person be your own you and do it the way you know do it the way that you understand it and uh hopefully you choose someone that you like and you aspire to want to be but at the end of the day do it the way you do it and what makes sense to you
0: very well said very well said and thank you and thanks thanks for having me yeah it was good it was a very good episode episode seven so thank you for being part of our you know, first couple of episodes getting out, breaking ground before we start yeah. to reach the double digits. Yeah. Uh, this is very helpful. And hopefully, you know, some people got some good education and got to know you a lot better. And it was yeah. an honor having you on well, for sure. You need to
1: bring me down to Melbourne so I can get some sunshine. We could have some fun. I Listen, I would love to
0: do a class here. If we could get something going, going in the next year, that's definitely yeah. an option,
1: you know? Yeah. So. I mean, I know your shop is small, but if, you know, if we did, you know, three to five guys, you know, made it more of an intimate setting. Uh, we 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 would uh, explode some minds on some of the stuff that we do, and and it's just fun to tinker around. <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm, I'm
0: down for that. Making a day out of that, and, and having fun with some guys, and that's you know that's that's the biggest part I think is for me is like I've really grown to love and be more passionate about more of the detail community than just the craft itself, yeah. and that in itself having a group of people learning around and just bullshitting, yeah. and hanging out and talking shop. Yeah. You yeah. can't beat that.
1: Well, you know, everything we do is all about people. Yeah. The detailing, the cars, whatever your hobby is, is just—that's a side note. It's all about connecting with people. If you can connect with people, and I—I really truly believe that is my my the real talent I have is I connect with people. Um, I connect at your level, and I think if you can connect at someone's level, you can change their career and how they think at things at a much greater level, and have more impact on their life in general. I can care less if you take a scratch out. Are you a good person first? Be a good person first, and then we'll work on the scratches later. Yeah.
0: Well, Jason, thank you. Thank you for everything you've done for the detail industry, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on in some future podcasts as well, and I'll let you get back to the rest of your day, and thank you for being episode seven of the Reflection Artist Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, and uh, have a great day, guys. All right, take care
0: thanks thanks for tuning in this week to Reflection Artist Live we hope you had fun and learned something new if you missed an episode or are looking for more check us out on our social media or podcast platforms and join us next week when we have another amazing guest don't miss it we'll be talking business, life, and detailing Also, don't forget to check out buffandshine.com for a variety of buffing pads and accessories for your detailing arsenal.